1: because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/work. shopify.com/work.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
0: welcome to that healing feeling i'm torsi and i created this podcast talking all things well-being what makes us feel the absolute best in ourselves and how we overcome challenges and heal with positivity and strength after taking some time away from the podcast i'm so looking forward to getting back into recording conversations with inspiring individuals i'm really excited to share this episode with flora beverly who you may know as food fitness flora on instagram flora and i have numerous common interests which we discuss in depth throughout this episode these include running and exploring our athletic potential whilst challenging our minds and bodies the importance of recovery and self-care plant-based living sustainability and of course mental health and well-being. We particularly look into Flora's five kilometre time trial and how she created an amazing community on Strava which I've linked in the show notes. Flora is super inspiring but also very knowledgeable about her passions and I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So this week on the podcast, I have the lovely Flora. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great to be here. No, thank you so much. I'm so excited. We've got loads of great topics um, that we're going to discuss throughout this episode. Um, but I would love to start with discussing your 5k time trial, which I first saw on Strava. Um, I do follow you on Instagram, but I actually saw it on Strava first which shows how much time I've been spending on Strava recently. Um, But what inspired you to do this? Because it's obviously a really exciting personal goal, but then having that kind of community aspect about creating that group on Strava is also so fab. So what's inspired this?
3: So my previous personal best was 21.15 or something. um, And I'd been desperately trying to kind of beat that, but whilst also training for other races. So it wasn't that I'd ever actually trained for sub 20 or sub 21 specifically, or even a 5k race specifically. I was just kind of going to park runs, trying to continuously run faster. But obviously if you don't train for it, it's really hard. We've not had any races this last year. It's been super difficult to kind of motivate yourself to actually get out the door quite a lot of the time. No matter how much you really enjoy running and really enjoy the outdoors, it's actually can be quite difficult to motivate yourself when you actually don't really have anything else on. And so I just actually thought, like, if I can give myself a goal and a very specific goal within a very specific amount of time, as though I was actually training for a race. I should be able to get this and then my coach said well you know what I don't have a sub 21 plan but I do have a sub 20 plan um so why don't we just do that instead and I thought well you know there's there's very little chance that I'll actually be getting a sub 20 but I might as well try the plan push myself see how far I can go and that's kind of what it's all been about is is kind of seeing what I'm capable of yeah. um and that was a uh, an eight week plan and then we added an extra kind of two weeks of training onto the end of that because as you you will have seen. I didn't get the, the first time round. I did better than I expected, um, but got 20 minutes and 16 seconds. Um, and I just couldn't let it go. Like I was very, very pleased with it, um, but it wasn't what I'd set out to do. So you just gotta do it. So I, I went out and uh secretly filmed it um with my coach again pacing me. And we got 19 minutes and 57 seconds, which is a goal that I've had as my ultimate running goal since I started running, um, I never actually thought that I'd get it. It's kind of like, oh, that's what, you know, elite runners do. I, I mean, it's it's not crazy fast, but it is, you know, something that I thought was unachievable for myself. Um, but let's just give it a go. And I and I am so pleased that I did it. And when it comes to the community aspect, you know, when I first started running, that's the sort of thing that I wish I'd had. And I wish I'd had, um, people to who are doing the same kind of thing. It's kind of like going to a library and if, if everyone else is working around you, you feel like working is a lot easier because everyone's in it together. Everyone's doing the same thing. And it's the same with running. You when you see other people getting out and putting in the hard work day in, day out, it kind of inspires you to go and do the same. And so I kind of wanted to share my journey, my ups and my downs, especially the downs actually, because I don't want to make it look easy because it's really not. Um, And then, yeah, so many people joined in. I think we had over 2000 people joining the Strava group and we had like an insane amount of personal bests during that month, um, the month of March. And I thought it was so impressive. Like I I was inspired by watching everyone else's runs. So, I mean, it, it works both ways. It wasn't just, you know, me posting my runs and everyone else looking at it. It was it was very much a community of people posting their runs and taking inspiration from others.
0: Yeah, it's so fantastic. I love it. Flora, you actually liked a few of my runs on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was looking at everyone else's training. I thought it was really great. I loved it. I love it. And one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, do you know Flora? I was like, no, it's really nice of her to like my run, but I don't know her.
3: Yeah, I was properly scrolling through the Strava uh, uh, run club feed and just liking everyone's things. I was like, "This is great!
0: Everyone's having so much fun." Oh no, it's so it's so great. No, but firstly, congratulations for getting your sub twenty. I've been, I'm exactly in the same position. I'm on, I'm been on the boundary for a long time. I actually used to be a competitive athlete, and my, my PB is actually eighteen ten.
4: Oh wow! That's oh my,
0: from God. that was from when I was fifteen, and I'm I will never run that fast again, but my goal at the moment is sub 20 and it and I mean you say it's I mean it is extremely fast so a four minute kilometer pace feels yeah. so fast like when I do my intervals I'm just like how am I going to maintain this the goal post
3: moves doesn't it because previously my interval sessions um when I was training for London Landmarks Half Marathon last year which obviously never went ahead I was doing my intervals at like my fast intervals at around 418 419 and that was what that felt as hard as four minutes per kilometer now feels. And so previously then like 4.35 felt really good. That felt like a comfortable fast pace. Whereas now 4.15 feels like a comfortable fast pace. So I mean, it seems really obvious, but it goes to show how, how training works. Like it really genuinely does move what feels easy and what feels kind of manageable and achievable.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think also you're so right about having that kind of community aspect is so inspiring. And I think it's probably been really great for some people who maybe do parkrun a lot because I love parkrun. I miss parkrun. I'm like, I keep looking on the news being like, when's it coming back? Because um, I I mean, I assume you'd agree with this, like it's so much easier to, to do better times in a race setting. Like I was so that's why I was so impressed, I think, that you got that sub-20. And obviously you had your coach Holly kind of coaching you throughout it, which I loved watching as well, by the way. She was great. Um but um yeah, I think it'd been really good for some people in lockdown to kind of have that motivating aspect um of it, because I think it is really hard to go out and just run a 5k PB in your own space.
3: It's really difficult and um it's almost harder if you kind of set out to achieve it because it's you against you and You are your entire, you're you're your competitors, you're the people cheering you on, you're the runner as well. And to fulfill all three of those roles, you know, takes a huge amount of determination and persistence. And I'm, you know, I'm saying to everyone, people who didn't achieve their PBs and people who did, you know, if you can achieve this running around a track by yourself with no one to race against, with no one coaching you, with no one pacing you, with no one at the sidelines cheering you on, then you can totally do so much more than you ever thought you could do when we're back to actual racing situations. Because it it is really difficult, especially if you're not actually used to racing as well, because you kind of, it, it takes a while to get into that mindset. And I think that's one of the reasons I did better on the second time. I don't think I was, I genuinely don't think I was that much fitter um three weeks later two weeks later than I was on the race day itself um I think it was more that I knew what to expect I knew how difficult it was going to be I knew when I had to push and I knew where the finish line was more than anything because when you see that finish line it gives you that kind of mental push because you only need to get to that point whereas when you're doing a time trial by yourself you know on a on a lapped course or whatever there is no finish line until your watch beeps and says five kilometers so it's quite difficult to really force yourself to go that little bit faster towards the end. Um, And the second time I did it, it was so much easier than the first. I was
0: astounded by your final kilometre in that (laughs) second time trial. I was like, how? I'm definitely slow. And and it's it's so hard, I think, because I think in my head, I'm like, oh, if I run like a 350 first K, I'll be fine. Cause then I can do the next one slower. It doesn't work like that, work like <laughs> I was, that unfortunately. Yeah, I was so impressed that <laughs> you managed to run the last kilometre just so fast. <laughs> yeah, the, just, like, people, that mental, were you just like so determined you were just like gritting your teeth.
3: It was literally that it, I knew that I wasn't going to get it otherwise. I didn't know how fast I had to go, but I knew that I'd let, you know, eight seconds slip or something that meant that I had to really push it on the last kilometer. I didn't know by how much, but it was very much a case of, well, if you've got more, you have to give it because otherwise you're gonna kick yourself at the end. And I think Holly shouts at some point during the pacing, she says, you are going to kick yourself if you don't get it. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. But actually go for it. And that was with one lap remaining. That's about 800, nearly 900 meters to go. Right, well, I guess we've got to do it. And uh, yeah, it ended up being 3.48. I don't think I've ever done any of my intervals at that pace. It Absolutely. really
0: <laughs> I bet that it was kind of a, like a complete mixture of absolute love for Holly, but also hatred.
3: You know, I knew she wasn't lying when she shouted at me. Um, she, she was like, hurry up, Flora, because I'm not coming back and doing this again. <laughs> I was like, oh God, it's true. I've got her all the way here from like, she doesn't room. she's like 45 minutes away. And it's the second time she'd come and done it for me. And I just feel so grateful to have both her, um, her boyfriend and my boyfriend there as well with the camera on the bike following me around for five kilometers. It just must've been, you know, it's not all that exciting for them. Um, and I just feel very grateful that they were there kind of helping
0: me along. <laughs> No, I'm sure it was exciting for them to see you kind of make the progress, but um it is great having pacing, isn't it? Because I've never had it in parkruns before. I I actually live in Edinburgh normally. I'm at home with my family at the moment, but I go to Union Edinburgh. Um and the parkrun there, they have paces for different times. So there'll be like four-minute pace or like yeah. three minute pace, which is really helpful, I think. And that is a really good way to try and keep it consistent, I think.
3: Yeah, definitely. I've also never experienced that. And and to be honest, like I haven't been running for that long, so I don't have that much experience in racing uh, kind of at all, except for faster stuff on track, um, but really short things where you just kind of go all out for uh, yeah. not, very, not very long. Um, but having a pacer really, I think, made a lot of difference, especially as the second attempt was so windy. I mean, I don't think you can tell in the video quite how extremely windy it was. Um, and because it used to be an airstrip up where I, I did it. So there's a big headwind on the on the kind of landing strip. And um, it, we were going into that headwind and then we didn't really have a tailwind because where the tailwind should have been was blocked by trees. So it was kind of, you know, still for one side and then headwind for two of the other sides. It was really miserable. Mm. So having Polly in front of me was at least drafting very slightly which which definitely
0: helped yeah definitely yeah I'd love to speak to you about how you kind of got into running if you say you haven't been into it for too long when did you kind of discover that you really loved it
3: Yeah, it was interesting because I think some people say, you know, I started running and I immediately fell in love with it. And that definitely wasn't the case for me. Um, And I feel like that must be a familiar story for a lot of people. It's kind of a case of keep going at it until something clicks. And that was definitely the way for me. I love I've always really enjoyed being active. I've always been very outdoorsy. Um, And I used to do athletics at school and, you know, be semi average at it, but nothing special. Um, And it wasn't until... I left school that I really started trying to kind of take up jogging. Um, But because I'd only done track and like fast things, I I used to run really fast, uh, what felt really fast, get to the end of my road, feel like I was dying and think, oh my God, I can't even run a kilometer. This isn't for me. You know, I don't know how people get out the door and actually manage to run five kilometers, let alone 10, let alone 20, let alone marathon. And I just thought, I hate this, this is horrible. Um, But it took a really long time of me kind of realising that actually, if you properly slow it down and just get out to get out, just get out to kind of spend time on feet, then it's so much more pleasant. And once it's more pleasant, you feel like you want to do it a little bit more. And it was a really slow process of kind of getting over my own ego, thinking, you know this is way too slow I'm not a real runner if I'm only doing it this fast blah 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 blah. and I think that's how so many people have their self-talk it's kind of you know if it's if I walk it's not a run if I don't run fast enough it's not a run if if I kind of have a little sit down or take some photos or go for a wild wee then I didn't go on a run because I stopped en route and and I think getting over that fear of you know what constitutes a run is a really important first step to actually being able to enjoy it. And once I started getting out for the enjoyment of it, that was when things really started to fall in place. Um, And that was when I discovered my love of trail running. And that was really quite recently. Um, It wasn't until I was training for Tokyo Marathon. And yeah, I just was training on the trails in Dorset at the weekends and that's when I really started to enjoy it because I was doing it consistently the views are absolutely incredible I was getting out with my partner as well which was really nice Um, and I started to actually enjoy it and that was something that was so important for me because previously it had kind of been a case of get out there and you'll feel like you've done something afterwards and you'll feel pleased that you got out. But I never actually really enjoyed it. And it wasn't until I started trail running that I thought, oh my God, this is for me. This is what I was meant to do. And I love it.
0: Yeah, I love trail running. I think you're so right. I think so often with running, it's kind of like, oh, we'll feel good after it. But actually like, it's really important to be present with it and actually enjoy what you're doing. And I think that you're so right. Like if you want to take a few photos of the view or take time to walk and just enjoy it because- ultimately these practices that we do in our lives if they're not enjoyable they're not sustainable like we might do them for a few weeks but like it has to be something that we really enjoy and that's why I love um like things like couch to 5k that like slowly build people up um and then people don't hate it so much because if you go, yeah it's gonna be like you say if you go out uh, and you're not a runner and you just try and do 5k and you hate it you're not going to do it again but if you yeah. can do those kind of make those building blocks they become so much more sustainable and yeah. it's fun to see progression as well.
3: Exactly. And if your only goal is to get a 5K in 22 minutes or something, you've only just started, you're going to lose motivation along the way because it takes, for most people, it takes quite a long time to actually be able to achieve that. Yeah. And, and if, if instead you break up your goal into, you know, I'd like to be able to run to the end of my road or I'd like to be able to run for one minute and then I'll walk for two and then I'll run for one minute and then I'll walk for two and you achieve that on a run, then those are your kind of checkpoints and, and you're constantly achieving things. And it's really hard to see progress if you feel like you're constantly failing at your ultimate goal. Whereas when you have these smaller goals, I think it really helps. And, and I have to say, I think I did that wrong. I, I really failed in my in exactly what I preach to other people, which is essentially like break up the goal. Don't be so hard on yourself. Try to enjoy it. And I did none of those things. I found it miserable. I was really hard on myself. And I basically just wanted to be a runner immediately. And I kind of hated it until I loved it.
0: And and thankfully, I now do love it. But it did take some time. I think as well with these kind of goals we have, we kind of want them straight away. But actually, we don't realize that actually the process to getting them is what's valuable. It's funny, isn't it? not only do we want things straight away but we kind of forget that we have our whole
3: lives to achieve them um for most people it's not that your one marathon is going to be your one marathon of your life it's you have your whole life to achieve the goals that you want to achieve and if you literally are just running to complete one marathon you're missing out on a huge amount of enjoyable running in between you know when you're not actually training for particular races so yeah don't don't be disheartened if you don't achieve your goal within three months of training because your marathon training plan says that you should be able to do that it's like you have 20 years you have 30 years you have a huge amount of time to be able to achieve those goals and if you think three months is a long time wait until you feel the 30 years of running like that's a long time
0: yeah no exactly. I I often need to remind myself of that because like when I set a kind of a goal or a challenge, I find it quite hard not to get it. Um, and I yeah. actually had signed up for um, a ten-kilometer swim this June. Uh, yeah, oh really quite long. And I've done the five k a few times, so I have experience in open water. It's open water swimming, um, but I've been a little bit ill recently, and obviously pools haven't been open until recently. And I was just <laughs> taking myself to this freezing reservoir in Scotland every other day and swimming in it and I just got to the point and I got home and I I basically burnt myself out I think and I was really ill for a few weeks and I was like I just need to postpone it because it's not I'm doing it for myself but I'm actually like making myself ill by doing this and it's just yeah it's like it's that reminder that you can we have time to do these things and it's listening to your body and yeah, doing it, making it a practice that's actually adding value to your life. Because if it's making you, I feel like my body was literally telling me, please postpone this 10 kilometers. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Um, so yeah, no, I always kind of need to tell myself that. And like, along with the lines of that, I think it's really important to listen to your body and, and honor recovery as well. Because I think it's so easy when we're as an athlete to kind of feel like, that's not going to be aiding you, but actually it makes us stronger in the long run. Do you have you got like recovery practices that you value in your training?
3: Yeah, definitely. That's actually something I'm really good at. Is, oh, no. is, <laughs> is taking <laughs> recovery really seriously because um I also, you know, I I used to overtrain quite significantly, not in running, but in other sports. And I mean, I got injured constantly and If your goal is to improve, overtraining is just so counterproductive. Um, And for most people, I'd say most most athletes, most people who exercise, their goal kind of is to improve over time, whatever. Um, And if you are training beyond your capabilities or beyond what your body can cope with, then you're not going to improve anywhere near as quickly as, as you could be doing if you were recovering properly. So I have multiple different ways that I recover. Obviously sleep for me is the most important one. I sleep so much. I mean, I I genuinely thought I had something wrong with me because I sleep so much. I I genuinely like, I go to bed, you know, 10 p.m. I'll wake up 7.30 ish. Like I sleep a lot um, if I can. And that really helps with recovery. I feel like I really do actually need all of that, especially if I'm being very active. And then also obviously food, eating carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, especially on Instagram, have been absolutely vilified. They are your body's main source of fuel. And they're also incredibly important in recovery as well for um, replenishing depleted glycogen stores. So when I get back from a run, I, if, especially if it's a very difficult run, so a heavy interval session or a long run, I will eat within the first sort of half an hour of getting back. Even if it's just, you know, a crumpet or two, that tends to really help. And then the last one for me is, um, I'm not so good at stretching, but I do really enjoy recovery runs. Um, And I do those, or at least for my 5K training, I was doing those once a week after um, my intense interval sessions on a Tuesday. So I was doing them on Wednesdays and it was very slow, very easy very much a conversational pace where you could you could hold a proper conversation and you're just kind of plodding along just to stretch out the legs and it increases blood flow um, to the muscles to kind of um, help improve uh, um, your muscle recovery so that rather than actually just like sitting down which obviously is very important as well um it, it actually kind of is an active recovery for those muscles um and it increases your vo2 max and it has loads of uh, benefits that i think people don't necessarily realize but it's got to be really slow and again it's a case of dropping ego and not going out for a really fast run but actually just plodding along at a really slow pace having a bit of fun just really enjoying taking your time with it and those those sorts of runs have massively helped um, my kind of recovery process Um, and I do use Theragun as well um, for my muscles when I'm training a lot I find it really important if I'm just kind of like going out for the, the occasional plod it doesn't really matter so much but if I'm training with two consecutive days for example it just speeds up the recovery that little bit more I think it kind of does the same as like a recovery run does in that it increases blood flow to your muscles and, and um, repairs those micro tears that you get when you're running and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's something that's been really valuable in the last couple of months when I've been training for the 5k.
0: Yeah. Those are all great. I think it's so important to kind of structure rest almost like a training session. Um, I think that's really helpful. And yeah, I think, yeah, kind of along the lines of what you're saying of these recovery runs, I think it's so valuable to have those runs where we, completely like forget about pace forget about distance time I just think sometimes you need to take a step back and just actually just yeah honor the recovery aspect of the run not just kind of the pace and the
3: distance exactly and and you know I say every run has a purpose and so even your slow runs even the runs where you feel awful you learn something from them um and those recovery runs their purpose is specifically to be slow and to help you recover if you're running them too fast they have lost that purpose and so you're actually you're doing yourself damage and i find by having a quite, quite a strict like you must not go faster than this pace that really um really helps me
0: yeah definitely i think what you said about nutrition is really important as well i'm excited to speak to you about that because i'm also plant based Yeah
3: I call myself plant-based because I think vegan is very much like a whole lifestyle and plant-based is kind of the diet part of it and I think people can be quite particular about using particular terms for particular things so I would call myself plant-based.
0: Yeah so when did you when were you inspired to go plant-based and what was it that inspired you to take that transition?
3: Um I've been pescatarian since I was four years old. Um, I've oh, never wow. enjoyed meat, yeah. So I haven't eaten meat since I was very, very young, um, because it has never really agreed with me. And then once I learned what it was, where it came from, I really wanted no part in it whatsoever. Because I've always been, you know, a massive animal lover. Yeah. Um, and then I studied biology at university, and we did. Um, I kind of did it with a focus on conservation biology, ecology, and then uh, we also did marine biology online um i thought it was all common knowledge Uh, like i I had no idea (laughs) so did i (laughs) yes i had no idea that people didn't know you know about bycatch and and all of that kind of stuff um but i guess i mean that's the privilege of education isn't it you you feel like people just know stuff Um, and we studied a lot of that when I was um, studying marine biology uh, during that during that course. And I just thought, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm possibly doing more damage eating as much fish as I would, you know, meat, um, you know, every single day, pretty much, maybe five days a week or something. I was having fish and I learned all the stuff that we learned in marine biology and how you know, calculating what the maximum sustainable yield could be, for example, for fishing, although theoretically it works within the reality of our oceans and how little we understand about our oceans, it's really difficult to get right. And if you get it over by 10%, if you end up overfishing by 10%, you can cause stock collapses and all of that kind of stuff. Once I learned all of that, I thought, you know what? there probably is a way of eating fish sustainably and there probably is a way of doing it, but in the system that we currently live in, it's so difficult to know and to understand what you're even eating, let alone whether or not it was sourced sustainably and, you know, done humanely. Um, It's kind of impossible. I want no part in it. Um, And until it becomes easier to know that the fish that you are eating has been caught you know, on a line that's not got, you know, a hundred thousand or whatever hooks on it, or, you know, a person net or bottom trawling or has any bycatch or, you know, is even the species that you think you're buying. Until I know all of that information, I really don't want to play a part in in consuming. Um, And so I just stopped eating fish. And so by that point, I was vegetarian. But then actually, we were learning also a lot in ecology about, you know, the key contributors to global warming um, and deforestation. And at that point, I thought, well, to be honest, I shouldn't if I'm not eating meat, I probably shouldn't really be eating dairy. And eventually, I just kind of gave up all of it because um, I wanted to feel good in my food choices. With sustainability, it it can feel really overwhelming and like you can't actually do anything. And, you know, there's definitely an argument for system change over individual change. Of course, you know, individualistically, my difference is really minuscule. But as a collective and as someone also who has, you know, a bit of a platform and who can lead by example, I felt the responsibility to put my knowledge to good use and to at least live the way that i felt that people should be living even even if i wasn't you know telling people about it day in day out you know i don't post about veganism a huge amount on social media but i do live as a very healthy very active plant-based athlete um and you know i feel like i'm living a really good life so if i can lead by example i think that is kind of my duty
0: yeah no it's amazing i think you're so right there's such a lack of transparency within consumption as a whole really but especially with food and I I think that's definitely what kind of inspired me as well and I don't know about you but I went vegan or plant-based a few years ago um and even then it was still a little bit <laughs> like taboos have made me a bit too strong, but I there definitely would be circumstances in, I don't know if I was going to the pub where they wouldn't have a vegan option. And I'm not fussy when it comes to um, vegan food. Like, I will literally eat any vegan food they offer me. Um, but I'd say that even in the last few years, it's become so much more accessible and popular, which is really great to see. I, I don't know, have you found it easier, do you think, over the last few years? Without a doubt. I was actually talking about
3: this over the weekend because um, both my parents are very much or at least were avid meat eaters and I was raised with three sisters who ate a lot of meat and I was the only person who didn't eat meat let alone you know was plant-based um and it was really difficult for them to find things that they could cook for me easily um without having to go and buy arrowroot powder or you know xanthar gum or something I think when people say you know obviously there are many barriers to becoming plant-based of course but when people say they find it really difficult I'm I'm kind of a little bit like you know when I st- when I stopped eating meat it was really difficult because I was eating salad vegetables and bread and that was kind of it wow. because there weren't any meat substitutes. and you know when corn came out that was a huge deal and I remember when that happened and that was massive and now you go to the supermarket and there are 10 different types of meat substitute 10 different brands even each with five different types of food and that just makes it so much more accessible for people and of course there are so many cuisines around the world that have been plant-based for millennia yeah um, you know it, the Britons didn't come up with it it's not like you know British people who
4: the original <laughs>
3: vegans um you know it's been quite westernized it's been made quite a kind of privileged um perspective but of course there have been cuisines that have been not having meat and have not been having dairy for for millennia that are so perfectly suited to it that actually even if you're not buying meat substitutes you can make incredible curries or um you know pad thai or whatever it is without without um animal products really quite easily
0: yeah no definitely have you found as an athlete it's been beneficial because personally for me and I haven't felt kind of held back at all um I even in terms of kind of the classic misconceptions of um kind of elements like vitamin d b12 calcium those kind of things I mean I've had blood work done recently and they're all perfect so it just shows that it's quite a kind of common misconception that those things you can't get out of a plant-based diet how have you found it in terms of that like kind of tackling even just down to kind of arguments such as like not getting enough protein and stuff I thought that's a massive one definitely i mean i think the
3: biggest um proponent of veganism is that i haven't felt better or worse you know i felt like i can complete everything that i could complete before i haven't struggled in any way shape or form i'm the, i'm one of the fittest that i've ever been and have continually got fitter since i went plant based i don't think that's to do with being plant based yeah with my training but it hasn't hindered me in any way, shape or form. And I think, you know, of course, that's partly to do with the fact that I have educated myself quite considerably on, you know, the elements that could be lacking from my diet um, were I to give up dairy, eggs and meat. Um, Also, obviously before I didn't eat any meat at all. So it wasn't a massive shift for me to go from being, um pescatarian or vegetarian to plant-based it wasn't like I was totally changing my diet I think where it can be really difficult is where people haven't had to think about their diet at all so they've they might have been eating quite unhealthily and then suddenly they're switching to a diet that's super high in fiber quite low in calories quite bulky and they're having to eat like five times the amount of volume that they were eating before and not managing to fit it in. I think a lot of guys struggle with this as well because obviously food in general, and it is quite, it can be quite a low calorie diet. Um, not on purpose, certainly not in my life, but you know, it can be, if you're not used to eating plant-based, um, you actually have to eat quite a lot to be able to get the number of calories that you need. And I feel like people who don't necessarily plan it, um, can really struggle. And that's what puts so many people off, I think, is that they do actually have to think about it quite a lot more. But, you know, if you're eating just any old crap as a meat eater, you're not going to be particularly healthy. And actually planning your diet, whether you're giving up meat or not, is probably quite a good thing to do to make sure that you're actually getting all the micro and macronutrients that you need.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that education aspect is really important. And obviously, as a privileged thing, like I agree, I feel like I've really kind of educated myself on a lot of different reasons as to why I wanted to go plant-based and I mean hopefully again like you're saying kind of the individualistic change and then the societal change I hope that kind of in the future we'll move into a place where it's a more just an accessible thing to everyone and something that everyone can do Um, I mean I could talk about being plant-based for ages but I want to move on to uh, mental health just because this is a kind of the main topic of this podcast i'm really passionate about um mental health awareness have you found that fitness and well-being how have you found that that's impacted your mental health oh my god my it, has... <laughs> <laughs> it has
3: quite literally i think been life-changing for me mm. um, and not only because it is now also my job and my life um but the reason that actually that i set up my instagram account initially was um as part of recovery from an eating disorder and um, it you know as i previously said i did exercise compulsively and i overexercised and overexerted myself and i think it can be quite hard to imagine that then exercise can play such a pivotal and important role in your life in a positive way after that yeah um, but it's no exaggeration to say that exercise and and being able to exercise has it has been kind of my rock and my security since I started and it hasn't always been running you know I used to play squash uh competitively and I uh used to or hopefully still will after pandemic um box competitively as well um but all of these things have been my kind of meditation um and mindfulness over the last few years over the last decade almost really um and Whilst I was struggling, you know, with my mental health, um, and it wasn't always only an eating disorder, um, I also suffered quite badly from depression. And exercise has been shown, moderate to vigorous exercise has been shown to have the same beneficial impacts as um, uh, antidepressants Mm. for um, mild to moderate depression. And I certainly definitely felt that it was a kind of... um, almost a drug I mean you you know it releases endorphins it it releases um dopamine you know when you achieve something and it really is that sense of having something to aim for every day having some sort of structure to your life and when I was suffering from depression I really struggled to do anything yeah. um, you know and I was I was I think doing my GCSEs, and then my AS levels, and then my A levels, so I I struggle to do anything other than focus on my work. And having, um, having exercise as a kind of outlet, both physical and mental, was, I mean, yeah, I would, I would go so far to say as it kind of saved my life. And that's something that, you know, you can't say lightly. And um, obviously, for many people, it won't be quite so extreme. But for me, it, it was really that beneficial. And for other people, it will play some small part in keeping them mentally on track and healthy and sound and happy. Um And for me, yeah, it was it was just the best thing ever. And now, I feel a little bit weird if I don't exercise for a huge amount of time, but it doesn't necessarily have to be going out for, you know, a hugely long run. It can just be going for a walk, going for a hike, um, playing squash, playing tennis, gardening even. We're doing a lot of landscape gardening at the moment. It's bloody exhausting. <laughs> um, it really keeps me happy and it keeps me kind of balanced. Um, and I'm, I feel very lucky to have that in my life.
0: Yeah amazing I completely agree and also I think it's kind of aligned a little bit with what we were saying earlier even as well as the fact that exercise boosts our mental health also getting outside which I think kind of then comes hand in hand I mean I'm personally not a treadmill or gym goer <laughs> mm-hmm. at all, and I don't think I ever will be um, but I think that as well because I get being in nature's like however many I think it's 200 minutes a week I mean, there's lo- loads of different scientific studies on how that benefits our mental health as well. So I guess you get kind of a double whammy when you're running or hiking or like you say, gardening outside. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so beneficial. And like you say, not it's not necessarily going to be everyone's kind of cup of tea to a huge extent. But I think just, it is kind of like a really important thing that I think, needs to be kind of elevated in society just to show that getting outside even if you feel like you're not going to enjoy it it does make you feel a lot better mentally and I think yeah having a real kind of emphasis on the mental aspect is really important as well because I feel like yeah exercise is still very much obviously and obviously it is incredibly beneficial physically but I think even just in terms of mental resilience as well. Like like we're saying of your 5K time trial, like that's building obviously a lot of phys- demonstrating your physical capability, but also your mental capability. So I think it's just showing that running exercise have so has so much benefit, not only physically, but mentally as well. Yeah, and they're transferable skills the rest of your life as well. Yeah. You know? it's not a waste of
3: time going out for a run or training for a half marathon or whatever it is those sort of getting out day in day out or every other day or whatever it is and going for a run in the pouring rain or when it's dark outside you know when no one else will come with you it's pretty hardcore I mean I I think it's incredible when people do that and that sort of as you say mental resilience is really transferable to other parts of your life if you don't think you can achieve something but you actually just work at it small steps every single day and every single week you will eventually get there it shows you that you're capable of a lot more than you previously
0: thought. And I think that's really helpful for a lot of people. Definitely. So you've been doing this 5K and now you're moving on to more distance. Am I right in saying that? Cause you've done a marathon and you've done an ultra marathon, haven't you? I've done two ultra marathons. Wow. Last year, <laughs> within a month of each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Such a difference between 5K training, I bet as well.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah.
0: train. Um,
3: it was very foolish but oh, no. <laughs> I, I only signed up for them each two weeks in advance of actually running them. Um, but it was, you know, it was last year, it was amazing weather. I had done no other races that year. I hadn't had that buzz or the community aspect in person of running a race like that. And, you know, they're both in absolutely beautiful parts of the world. One was in the Peak District, one was down in, uh, near where we were living in uh, Dorset. And the coast path down there is like heaven. It feels like another country, honestly. It's so dramatic. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't actually know if I can run this far. (laughs) I'd like to go and give it a go. I just really want to be outside for a really long period of time. And so I just signed up to both of them really last minute headed up there and just had so much fun okay. a go! and I got around both of them and I was genuinely surprised that I managed um but it was great fun yeah you know if you don't try you don't know
0: yeah no I, I'd be so keen to try one in the future at some point when my body lets me <laughs> <laughs> um so what's your what uh, what challenges do you have kind of coming up then um in the next year So um, I'm hoping to train for
3: London Landmark's half marathon or another half marathon, um, you know, towards the end of summer. Um, I'd really like, so I've done a lot of, not a lot, I've done recently a lot of kind of quite long distance, Mm. like I say, the ultra marathons, that sort of stuff, Um, which is why I did the five kilometre thing, because I like running fast i really enjoy that um and i wanted to give my body a new challenge uh, to actually really see how fast i was capable of going the half marathon is sort of an in-betweeny goal where you actually have to run quite fast for quite a long period of time yeah new challenge for me and i i did a time trial in a half marathon i've never raced a half marathon um but i did a time trial last year when I was supposed to be doing London Amex Half um, in, I think I did it in March. So it was literally right after lockdown had started. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't, you know, travel to somewhere to race it with other people. So I just ran it by myself, um, thankfully with my boyfriend cycling <laughs> along next to me, poor guy. Um, and yeah, I just did, I, I, I just kind of wanted a time. I just wanted, um, to know what I was capable of at that point. And so this year, hopefully I'll be able to beat that time and go for something that's a little bit more um, speedy. Uh, the less time I'm on the course, the better. So that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the quicker it's over. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So I the last questions I have on here is just about um, kind of social media. How, because obviously it's such a positive space, but then there's also a lot of space for it to be quite the opposite as well. How have you found kind of balancing it all with your training, with your personal life, because obviously you have a, you have YouTube, you have Instagram. Um, so there's lots kind of going on for you online. How have you found kind of balancing that with everything?
3: Well, I've been doing social media, um, you know, quite extensively for about a decade now. And I think because I have been balancing it alongside GCSEs, A-levels, university, a full-time job, and now also doing it as my job. Mm. Um, I think I've, managed to find a way to kind of separate out it as my work life and my personal life Um, although of course it's really difficult because you know um, a lot of what I share is also my personal life and I think getting that kind of separation not letting it infiltrate too much into everyday life is really important and I, I don't know if I have the balance perfect but I do think I've managed to kind of post a photo, and then not spend the next half an hour, you know, waiting for the comments to come in, making sure it gets the right number of likes, you know, as I used to, and all of this kind of stuff I don't think is that helpful or healthy. Um, Now I kind of post and run and just, you know, continue doing whatever I was doing before, um, because I like putting content out there and I love engaging with the community. And that's really one of my favorite things about it is, is the other people who are there, engaging with me but also who I can engage back with um, but there are negatives to it and and as we know social media is not good for your mental health really in any capacity um if you use it too much
2: yeah
3: and I think more than two hours of social media use a day which is surprisingly easy to reach if you have multiple social media platforms um is just really unhealthy. Um, and the times that I feel best in my life are when I'm not on my phone all day. And so I make a conscious effort to kind of separate myself from that and go and do things, especially kind of outdoors.
0: Yeah, really important. Oh, amazing. Flora, thank you so much for coming on. I have um my three final questions which don't take too long so I'll let you get along with your day um but I ask these to all the guests I have on my podcast so the first one is um what is one thing that you do daily to make yourself feel your absolute best this is so easy for me get outside get into nature yeah <laughs> um
3: you know the more wild the better but you know i live in a city and i know many others do as well and even just getting out to the local park or you know walking up and down some a tree lined street is kind of enough for me day to day but if i can get out to the countryside um or to some woods woodland somewhere then that's even better so i try to do that regularly day to day or at least every weekend
0: Yeah, we were always like we were saying earlier with the mental health boost from nature, like exactly. It's so, so beneficial. Um, Okay, so second question is, do you have a goal or a way you want to grow in the next year?
3: Um, Well, I've only just moved here to Bristol. Um, I went to university here and I'm back. I would love to be able to create more of a community here in Bristol um, of runners and you know, people on social media, but who can also meet up in real life. And I think um, everything is very London centric, especially in the world of blogging. And that's kind of what I do day to day. If I can create some more more, more of a community for myself here in Bristol, that would be really great. And mean that I'm less kind of tied to London whilst also living two hours away. That would be really nice for me. Um, and I think quite cool to create a bit of a community um, over here because it is such a cool place and it's very artsy. It's very kind of, people are really
0: similar to me here in Bristol, I think. Um, it's a very cool place to live. Yeah it's was just like we say earlier with like having that community even just on Strava it'd be so nice to have that kind of in your actual like geographical space Um, and yeah I mean it's just it's always just lovely connecting with people who are like-minded really amazing. There's a great food scene here in Bristol which is one of the best
3: things about it. As as we know I'm a massive fan of good food so uh
0: yeah there's plenty to explore around. (laughs) No, definitely. Okay, so last question is Do you have a mantra or a quote that you align to in life for positivity?
3: Yeah, um, kind of. I think life's too short to not do things that you really enjoy. So if you love it, find a way to make it happen. And if you don't like it, find a way to get rid of it. And that has made or allowed me to do a lot of things that I would have been scared of doing otherwise. Um, and many things that I'm very privileged to have, you know, been able to do, like quit my job and do social media full-time. I never would have considered doing that without that mantra, because it's what makes me really happy. And spending 40 hours of my week doing something else was not a good use of my time. And I have made, I have sculpted my life around things I love to do because I genuinely think life is too short to not do that if you can do it so if it's possible yeah sculpt your life around things that you absolutely love and if you really hate something move away from it get rid of it phase it out of your life some way or another and and you'll be much happier for it
0: oh I completely agree with that 100% Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Flora. It's been so great to talk to you about all of these topics. I think they're all really important. So thank you so much. It's been a real delight. Thanks so much for having me on. No, not at all. I really hope that you love this episode with Flora and that you feel like you've taken something positive away from the conversation. Have an amazing day ahead with whatever you get up to.